0: the Lord a hand this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, shout to the Lord. Shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. You know, sometimes you just got to shake something off you. Anybody feel like there's, like, heaviness on them this morning? Who's feeling heaviness? Put your hand up. Yeah, let's just shake it off right now by shouting to the Lord. You ready? After three. One, two. seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, team. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thanks. Just bring that down on stage for me. Just the volume. Yeah. Thanks, God. Good morning. Oh, thank you. Well, we were supposed to fly out uh, at one o'clock today uh, but our flights got changed and so we thought well we'll just do one more morning well lucky we did because Jillie came down sick Katrina came down sick Jillie was supposed to preach so it kind of worked out didn't Andrew you're a bit under the weather yourself but you're here buddy uh, so it kind of worked out so it's good Just bring it down a little bit more, Charlie, on stage, please. Don't you love this family that have joined us? Aren't we blessed? We had all three of them up here this morning. And it was like worship, worship team takeover. The tombs is worship team takeover. It was great. Love it. God is good. I think it's so important for us to develop a hunger and a thirst for God. I've been working on my own hunger and thirst of late. Because who knows that you can develop hunger and thirst for other things pretty quickly. Anybody ever watch a series on Netflix? It's like, just got to watch another one, just got to watch it. Sometimes you watch three or four a night, just say, oh, I can't, because they always finish it like, uh, what? You just finish that? And I've got to know what happens next, i have got to watch another one. And, and so you end up getting a hunger and a thirst for Netflix. chocolate (laughs) he says preach it sister I don't eat chocolate because I get headaches but when I do eat it do I want it the next day whether I get a headache or not yes it is so addictive so you develop like a taste for chocolate coffee epidemic levels I mean now we've got on you know, on, on Facebook you know posts that are coming up instead of saying oh I need God so much this morning, oh I need my coffee I can't get out of the house without my coffee you see people lining up at the coffee shops before they go to work, you know, I've got to have my coffee because we develop a taste for it we develop Taste and a need and a want, and then our body starts saying, I need it, I need it, I need it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Imagine if we put the same effort and the same excitement when I say a hunger for God, everybody goes, when I say a hunger for coffee, everybody goes, Oh, yeah, oh, a chocolate, preach sister, chocolate, coffee, oh, that's my thing, you know. I say. Let's develop a hunger and a thirst for God. It... What? But it's true. You can develop something. You, you can develop it. You know, love is a feeling, but love is an action. Is that right? Like I can say to feel I love you, I can love you, I love you. I could say every day, I love you, feel, I love you, I feel, I love you, feel. But I iron a shirt for him, he starts crying. (laughs) Because his love language is acts of service. I learnt that early in our marriage. My love language is words of affirmation. So write me lots of cards, I keep them all. I've got boxes, Phil will tell you I've got boxes and boxes of cards and every now and again I get them out and I read all the words and I just cry. (laughs) If they're nice, if they're bad. They go in the bin. And so I learned early in our marriage that, that, that love is action, it's not just words. And so I remember one day Phil was building the house and I said to him, you know, like women do, I don't feel like you love me. I was doing one of those and he's, he's upstairs in the, in the top of a house building the top floor of our house, balanced. With a nail bag around him, and I'm sitting on a ladder going, I don't feel like you love me. <laughs> and he got out a nail and he got out the hammer and he went, bang, bang, I just told you. Because here's the Zach's he says, I'm building you a house, why don't you feel loved? And I'm going, yeah, but I need words. I need words, I need love notes on the pillow. I need you to tell me how beautiful I am every day, ten times a day. (laughs) And so we had to change the way that we related to each other according to love being in action. And I hate ironing. I'll tell you that right now. For years I didn't iron. Just hang them up, iron it yourself when you wear it. But one day I decided to test it out. I got every shirt out of his wardrobe, Clay, and I ironed every shirt in his wardrobe and put it back in. Well, you would have thought his Christmases had come at once. It was like he was all—he was giving me words of love. He was loving me was saying, "You're amazing. You're the best wife ever." Because yeah, I ironed shirts, great, but it spoke to him because love is action, right? And it's the same with God. It's like we can say, well, it's wonderful to hunger and thirst after God, but unless I put that into action, unless I do something to activate that hunger and that thirst for God, something that's going to cause habits within my life, something that means something, something that, that, that sacrifices something for me to show Him how much I love Him, how much I hunger for Him, how much I thirst for Him, Instead of all the excuses we make. See, it just means nothing if we just like, oh God, I hunger and thirst for you. It's just lip service. I think he said that we worship him with our mouths, but our hearts are far from him. And for me, I want to make that a reality inside myself. I want to, I want to make that a reality inside of me and so many times I get really good at hungering and thirsting after God, I get really good, I get on, you know, because creative people are a bit clay, aren't they? They're a bit creative people, up and down, round and round, emotional, I mean, you know, one minute they're happy, the next minute they're not, and they start a project and they can't finish it, and you know, because they're not to the next exciting thing, and you know, half painting finished over here and now they're going to redecorate the house, that's me. But I had to train myself and get out of my own self, my own personality, my own natural traits and say, you know what? I'm going to make a habit out of this. And if I fail, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make another habit. How many days does, does it take to form a habit? Phil Cairns would know this. 40, there you go, I know something more than you. (laughs) There you go, I've been bribed. 40 days. They say 40 days to form a new habit. So it only takes you 40 days to be addicted to coffee, probably two actually. So to make a new habit with God, I've started at the beginning of this year, said, well, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to spend more time with him I'm going to get up earlier. This morning, I got up early. I got up earlier than I need to. I don't just look at, well, I have to get dressed, have to do this, have to do that before I go, so I need this much time. Now I go, okay, I have to get dressed, I have to do all this, but I need at least half an hour with God before I walk out this door every day. And so I've set my alarm that includes God time, half an hour. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, so much we want God to fill. Fill me, God. Fill me up, God. We come into worship services. Fill me up, God. And then he says, well, have you got a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Do you hunger and thirst for me? Do you love what I love? Do you hate what I hate? Because when you're in his presence, when you're with him, when you're spending time with him, you begin to understand his character. And as you behold him, you're becoming more like him. And therefore, you begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Suddenly, those things that seemed like small things before to you, small compromises... Maybe things that you thought, well, that's okay if I look at that or if I listen to that or if I do that or if I just tell one white lie, it's not going to hurt anybody. But suddenly after you've spent time in his presence, you start to go, I hate what you hate. I hate lying. I I hate these things that my eyes are seeing and I don't want to see. I can't stand compromise anymore because I want to be like you. So I begin to change Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You don't just get filled with God. You get filled with the character of God. You you awaken yourself to the fact that you are made in his image. And that you are like him. That I am made in the image of God. And I can be filled with him and I can be filled with righteousness for his name's sake. John G. Lake said this incredible quote. He said, there is, if there is one gift that I could give to mankind, it would be the gift of hungering for God. Wow. See, I believe nothing is impossible for God. And everything we face in our lives and in our world, if we can just come into that space, into that place with him, that we are so hungry for him, he will give us ideas, strategies, blueprints. He will give us revelation. You know, I love to get the book of Ephesians out, and I'm trying to memorize it. I'm trying to memorize Ephesians chapter 1 in the Passion Translation, which is a lot more wordy. And I come and I say, May the God of glory, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. May the eyes of my heart be flooded with light. Awaken my imagination of my heart that I may know all that he has for me. The incomparable great glory that he has waiting for us. When we hunger and we thirst for God. I feel like there's a rising of a deeper hunger for God. I think in the last, especially the last few years since COVID, it was like everybody kind of went to sleep over the COVID period. We we're all so traumatized that we just shut out the world and we shut out everything. Everything. And we just kind of all the church just went to sleep. At a time when we needed the church to be awake more than ever, in the middle of a war, we all went to sleep and got, you know, selfish, self-centered, shut down, uh, isolated. And we just were trying, we went into survival mode. But I believe coming out of COVID that God has lit a fire inside our bellies again for a deep hunger for the things of God across the earth. And again, we're beginning to see this distinction between good and evil. And I believe the more evil that we see, the more that it's exposed, the more that we will want righteousness. I mean, the way they're coming after our kids, eh? They're coming after our kids. The devil is coming after our kids. And they're trying to make it look normal. They're trying to make it look normal as they, they, they mess up our kids' heads with their own identity. Even their own identity as a man or a woman, a male or a female. I remember there was one day, Charlie was only little. He's not here this morning, so I can tell stories about Charlie this morning. He's here. Don't tell him I talked about him. Because the kids and the grandkids hate it when you use them in their sermons, you know. (laughs) But I remember there was one day Charlie had a little friend from school and um, this is when he was about five. And this little girl was five from his school and she was identifying as a boy. And her parents had agreed with this. Christian parents had agreed that she thinks she's a boy, she can dress as a boy, she can have a boy haircut and we'll give her a boy name. So Jilly was babysitting this little girl boy and uh, said, look, can you watch the kids for an hour? I've just got to rush to the shop. So she dropped all the kids to me plus this little girl boy to my house. And they were going to go for a swim in the pool. And so I said, go and get your cozies on, everybody. You can all go for a swim in the pool. And, of course, Charlie put his board shorts on and this little girl boy put her board shorts on. And he said, no, no, you've got to get your cosy on. She said, no, no, this is my cosy. I'm a boy. I wear board shorts. He said, no, you don't. You're not a boy. You can't be a boy. You're a girl. You don't need board shorts. You need a cosy. And they're having this argument. And then, then he said, see that fly thing there? You don't need that. He said "You are. you don't need that fly thing. Why would you need that for? And she said, no, no, I'm a boy and I'm going to wear wear these things. And he he said, and he pulled down his pants and he said, well, you don't have one of these. (laughs) Pulled up his pants and walked away. It's like, (laughs) thank you, Charlie. (laughs) He was four. Phil's trying to cover for him. He was four. Anyway, and she didn't have one of those. But as things get darker and things get more confusing, how much more do we need righteousness? How much more do we need our kids to understand righteousness and truth? Amen. But we have to hunger and thirst for it. We have to want it. We have to want it for our kids. We have to want it for our homes, for our schools, for our workplaces. We've got to want righteousness. We've got to want God and the presence of God. Thank you, God. I want to love what God loves and I want to hate what God hates. And sometimes we think, you know, God hates the pedophiles and the really heavy stuff. But there are seven things that God hates, says in the word of God. And they're not the things that you would think that he hates. I mean, one of them is lying. When's the last time you told a lie? Yesterday, probably. I was just a white lie. I I just told the boss I was sick and I wasn't. But God hates lying. And so we separate ourselves from God every day just by our little actions. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to develop a taste. We need to develop an appetite for the things of God. We need to develop a taste. To taste it. Once you taste and see that the Lord is good, it's like you then begin to develop an appetite for the more. It's like I was with him yesterday. It was like, I just didn't want to get out of his presence. It was just like he was so, so beautiful. And he just takes me on these journeys. He takes me on these places and these journeys. He shows me things. He shows me heavenly realms. He shows me things to come. He opens up my eyes to, to realms that you would never get in a coffee or a chocolate piece of chocolate. You know what I mean? Like when you compare it, it's just like, how can I compare? You know, if I get a hunger, if I, if I develop this appetite for the things of God, he's going to be transforming me. He's going to be changing me. He's going to be changing those in my world as I'm transformed into his image by hungering and thirsting after him. Amen? John 6.51 said this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. We're talking about hungering eating bread. Jesus is the living bread. Amen. And then he said to them in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And, of course, we're not talking about natural hunger and natural thirst. We're talking about spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. And he says here, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger." He shall never thirst. He who comes to me, the bread of life. I love it when Jesus says to the woman at the well when she's you know drawing water, and he asks her for a drink. And she said, "If you," "If you knew who it was that was asking you for water." And then he said this to her: "Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Natural water." Amen. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. There's something about when you feel like you are so full of this water that God gives you. That you've been drinking from the fountain of life. And suddenly, as it says in the Psalms, your cup begins to overflow. You don't just have the dregs to give to someone. You don't just have the dregs to survive life in. But suddenly you're flowing down a river of God's blessing. Suddenly you're floating in a river of God that you're surrounded by water. And it's not. who knows it's not hard to hold up your own weight when you're in water. You guys with me this morning? It's like, thank you. Who knows? It's not hard when you're in water, suddenly the weight is removed, and you can just float in that water, right? And what the word of God is saying here is if we can just drink from this water to the point where it's just water springing up in side of us to everlasting life. And then that water is flowing out for us. And then we're flowing in that river in God. Do you know what I mean? We just, every day, it's like, I'm in a river. I'm just floating in a river. I'm in the purposes and the purpose and the plans of God. I'm in the perfect will of God. I'm not outside of God's will because I'm in the flow of the river of God. It says there is a river that flows from the throne of God, and it flows down through us, and it flows through us and out. It flows, continually flows. There's a river that continually flows. And we can choose to be separate from that river and have another coffee or we can get in that river and choose to hunger and thirst for God because I want this spring in that water. I want this. I want this. People often say to me, you know, how come you raised your kids so well? You know, what, what happened? What did you do? How did you and Phil raise these, these girls that are just incredible young women and now, now the grandchildren and, and the generational blessing? So we lived in the river. We lived in a river that flowed through our house, that flowed in our lives. We chose righteousness every day, every moment of every day. We shut the TV off when there was things we didn't want to see or want the children to see. We put on worship music. We had it through our house all the time. We didn't play any worldly music at all. We still don't. It just flows through our house. Worship music all day. We get up in the morning and we put music on. And there's worship music, even instrumental music flowing through our house all day. Sometimes we sleep with it on. Just instrumental worship music playing. Because we want to keep the river flowing. You get in the river and you stay in the river. You live life in the river. You go to shops in the river. You raise your kids in the river. And then there's this, this sense that God is in control of all things. You know what I mean? When you're in his river, he is controlling and in charge of every move you make. Every word you speak has water flowing from it. Everything you touch has water, the river of God. There's a direct access to heaven where river flows and the, and the glory of God flows through us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. (sighs) You know, we've got to walk now like we're in heaven. We don't have to wait till then. When I get to heaven, then I'll live like I have everlasting life inside of me. The more time I spend with him, the more that eternal part of him becomes a part of me. And I'm walking in that everlasting life every day of my life, every minute of my life. Hallelujah. This is one of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 42, 1 to 2. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is David writing this. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So often in our Christian lives, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, am I walking with a living God? Or is God dead in my life, really? If I only tack him on Sundays, if I only have this time with him, if I only give him this much of my life, is he the living God in every part of my life? Is he alive and active? Do do the cells of my body vibrate with him? Does every fiber of my being unite in reverence to his name? Am I walking with the living God? Am I fully alive? in every part of my life. And then he says this, when shall I come and appear before God? When shall I come? David's asking himself the question. If my my soul is panting, if my soul is so thirsty for God, for the living God, like a deer panting for water, then when? Shall I go to appear before God? Instead of trying to fill it up with everything else. Psalm 42, 1 to 2 says, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. This is in the Passion Translation. I'll read it again. I long to drink of you, O God, Drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. Wow. And later on in this psalm, it says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. There's a deep in God that cries out to the deep in you. And you know, you know when you walk in shallow waters. And you know when you walk in deep waters. And we fluctuate as human beings. I get it. I fluctuate myself. But as soon as I feel myself walking in shallow waters, I quickly get back into his presence and let the depth of God flow through me again. Because the deep in God is calling out to the deep in me constantly. Come away with me, my love. Come away with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. Come away. away. Do you know that God delights in you? He delights in you. He doesn't want you to just come so you can live a better life, so you can function your life better and use him like a commodity, like we use everything else. He delights in you. He wants you to come so he can look into your eyes and spend time with you because he delights in you. You know, David is saying here, my soul thirsts for the living God. How much does God thirst for you? How much does the deep of God cry out for you? That's why it said deep calls out to the deep. That's God, the depth of God calling out to you. Because he just wants to be with you. He delights in you. He misses you. He tells me that sometimes when I go to be with him in the mornings. He said that to me yesterday. I missed you. It's been hours since we've been together and I've missed you. I've missed your face. I've missed just looking at you. Those of us with children, you know what it's like to watch your child when they're asleep. You just stare at them. I had my little grandson the other day, Leon. He's just such a beautiful little boy. Just so affectionate. Kisses you all over your face, slobbers all over you. Big open mouth kisses. Ah, Nanny. Snot everywhere. Don't care. Don't care. He's just loving on me. But then when he's asleep, I just want to sit there and look at him. Yes, I received his love and it was so beautiful for me. But like when he's sleeping and I'm just looking at him, I just want to stare at him forever. You just look at their little, the way they breathe and their little eyelashes and the way they put their little hands when they're sleeping. That's how God is with you. He loves it when you give him sloppy kisses all over his face. But then when you're asleep, you'll come and sit on your bed and just watch you. You've got to understand this love relationship. It's a two-way street, right? Yeah. And the more time that you spend with him, the more time you realize how loved you are, and that's why you develop a hunger and thirst, don't you, Tom? Yeah. You start to go, whoa, every time I'm with God, I like myself better. Every time I've been with God, I like other people better. <laughs> Every time I'm with God, I'm happier. I've got more joy. I've got more peace. I'm hungry for that. I'm going in for more. How can you be married thirty-eight years, Pastor Julian? You're more in love with your husband than you were when you first met him. we both love God more than we love each other and if I'm angry at him I go to God and I say God you fix him (laughs) yeah and God usually says I'll fix you first doesn't he ladies let's just close your eyes and pray for a moment here Just pray this prayer with me, God make me hungrier for the more of God. Never let me be satisfied. Pray that. Pray this: never let me fall into complacency. But God would you constantly woo me with fresh hunger. Amen. You might have been in this past season. You might have been a bit disillusioned with your own life. You may have found it difficult to find that intimate, personal space with God. But I find when I'm disillusioned or distant from God, it usually means that he's about to birth something fresh in me or heal me at a deeper level. And whenever God wants to birth a new season in my life, He will always birth a new hunger in my heart, a new hunger for more. And I begin to cry out, God, give me more. I want the blessing of hunger and thirst for righteousness in every area of my life and my soul. I want that rawness, that desperation, that reach of my heart for God. He always answers me when I cry out with humility and desperation from the very depths of my heart. Jesus, Jesus, I want to be like that blind Bartimaeus who cried out as you were leaving Jericho. He cried out from the depths of his soul, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me. And all the people were saying to you, be quiet. Shut up. Don't be so demonstrative. Be quiet. You know, watch yourself. But he cried out all the more. He pressed through the crowd. He pressed through everyone's opinions. And he cried out all the more. Lord, make me like him. Make me like blind Barnabas, Jesus. Where we don't care. Make us like that. Where we don't care what other people think but we just want to press through. You know, Jesus stopped dead in his tracks when he heard the cry of blind Bartimaeus. May he stop dead in his tracks for us. And he asked him one question. What do you want me to do for you? He obviously could see the guy's blind. But he asked him the question. Because it's an interactive relationship. What do you want me to do for you? At that moment in time, Jesus became a servant to a blind man. What do you want me to do for you? How many times has Jesus come as a servant to us? And we ignore him. And the man says, I want to see. May our prayer today be, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see. I want greater intimacy with you. I want encounter with you. I want to see, Lord, raise up a generation that would cry like blind Bartimaeus, that would press through the religious crowds, that will press through the dullness of their own hearts, and that would, that you would stop dead in your tracks. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It doesn't matter who you are today or where you are in your life, but there's one irreversible law of kingdom. It is called hunger. And he will not deny a hungry person. He will not deny a hungry man, a hungry woman, a hungry teenager, a hungry child. When all the voices around me tell me to give up, when I see no breakthrough in sight, I will thirst for you, Jesus. When your waves and your billows crash over me, I will thirst for you, Jesus. When doors seem to be locked and shut, I will knock Jesus. When I see no breakthrough in sight, I will press in Jesus. Glory to glory, God. Glory to glory, God. Never let us arrive until we see you face to face. Never let us settle, Jesus, until we see you face to face. Fill us with spiritual hunger. I never want to become a domesticated Christian. Anybody else? We need to get wild. We need to shake off everything that makes us domesticated. We need to get hungry for God again. This is my prayer, Lord. God of my life, baptize me in holy hunger. Make me like the woman in Luke 8 with the issue of blood who presses through the crowd, spent all the money on physicians, couldn't be healed by any of them. And something came into her heart. If I could just get hold of the hem of his garment, I would be healed. So she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the people and she laid hold of Jesus. She touched him. He didn't touch her. She touched him, and because she touched him, dunamis power flowed out of him, and she was instantly healed, but it was an action. It was love that had an action. She reached out, and she touched the hem of his garment. She touched him. She didn't wait for him to come and knock on a door. She touched him. She pressed through the crowd. She pressed through everything around her, every destruction. I've just got to touch him. Yeah. And she was instantly healed. Let your heart cry out right now. God, I want to touch you. I want to touch you. I want those words to come out of Jesus' mouth about me. Who touched me? Who touched me? I felt power come out from me. I want to be that woman who touched me. I don't want to just be around Jesus. I want to touch him. I want to touch him. Hallelujah. I want to pull power out from him. I want to pull virtue out of his life into my life into my family, into my home, into my region. Lord, release the spirit of breakthrough, Lord. Help us have a hunger where we hunger and thirst for you and we want to touch you, God. I want to be desperate for you, Jesus. So I ask you right now to baptize us with longing. Baptize us with thirst, oh God. John 4.23 says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is saying to you today, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Just close your eyes in his presence. Hey, I hunger, I thirst for you, O oh God. Increase my appetite. Why don't we just pray that right now? God, increase my appetite for you. Hunger and thirst for you. Hunger and thirst for you, oh God. Oh God, break us out. Wash our eyes for what we see, oh God. Wash our ears from what we hear and what we've heard. Wash our mouths for what we've spoken. Let us hate the things you hate. Love the things you love. Because you said in your word, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. So why don't you begin to lift your hands, just pray and worship him. And we worship you, oh God. Yes, we do, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah, my. hallelujah. Right now, in this moment, there may be some things that you need to ask forgiveness for. Maybe it was that lie you told. Maybe it was those things you've been watching. You know, I remember in our day, back in our day, back in the old days, in the olden days, there was a show called Number 96 on. And I remember. The lead role one day came on film with a bra on and it was in the front pages of the papers, it was all over the news. Oh my gosh, pornography on television. You remember that? Now all of a sudden pornography is in our face every second of every day. Most disgusting things and we watch it. We watch homosexual acts because it's part of the Netflix series. We just watch stuff. We're being polluted and we're being separated from God by a sneaking serpent that's still sneakily coming into our homes. We flick through our devices. We see things we shouldn't. We hear things we shouldn't. Right now maybe in this place you need to repent of things that you've looked at things that you've seen I think I think pornography as it is at an epidemic level in men right now and women we need to smash that thing we need to smash it it's vile it's filth it's a degradation of people that are made in the image of God and we're watching it. Lord, wash our minds right now. Cleanse us. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to ask Jess to sing over you. And as she sings over you, I want you just to just examine your heart. David said, examine my heart, O oh God. And see if there has been any unclean thing in me. And lead me in the path of righteousness. Just while Jess sings over us, amen. Just examine your own heart. Jesus. Jesus. your feet, Jesus. Say no to sin. We say no to compromise. Say no to every distraction. We pull down every idol that we worship above you, God. I exalt. Cleanse our minds, cleanse our hearts, oh God. right across this room right now. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and the Savior, maybe you knew him once, but you were away from him right now and you know you've got to get right with God. You know you have to get right with God today. That he's called you into this place today get right with God, because His is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way outside of Him. There is no truth outside of Him, and there is no life outside of Him. He's calling you right now. Deep is calling out to the deep in you. God is calling you. If you're in this house this morning, you want to receive Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to Him, just lift your hand up, put it down. I want pray with you. Just lift it up and put it down. Just lift it up and put it down. Right now your heart is beating in your chest. You can feel it. You go, I know that's me speaking about. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. Just lift up your hand and he'll see it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. now if that message spoke to you this morning at any level I want you to lift both hands to the Lord right now both hands
1: and say this I
0: surrender I surrender I want you God come on let a cry come out from your heart I want you God more than anything else draw me to you O oh God draw me in by your presence and by your spirit O oh God Right now just flood the altar with anyone who wants prayer to help them go forward. Come on, just begin. fill the altar. Come, 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 come. Come and